just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Thursday. It's been a busy week. We had the midterms and uh, a lot's been going on with that. In fact, many of the races are not yet complete, so we're still waiting on some things. We don't know who's going to have control of the House, and we don't know who's going to have control of the Senate. I'm still pretty positive about this whole thing. I'm one of the few people, I guess with Michael Moore, who said that the Democrats would win the House and the Senate. At this very moment, I don't know for sure. I just have this feeling that they could win both. Now, conceivably, I could be wrong, and that's fine. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I think you've got to have a positive attitude when you go into anything. And I think that when I said that prior to the election, some people scoffed at me. I'm not saying you, the listeners. I'm saying other people that I meet. Oh, no, it's a foregone conclusion. The Republicans are going to win the House. That's always the way it goes. Now, for months before the midterm election, we saw all these polls. And we saw the media tell us what they told us. Republicans will win the midterms because they always win the midterms. And I said that doesn't make sense because if we're looking at it historically, that would have to suggest that what we're dealing with now is the same as it was back in history. And it's not. We're seeing uh, things that are unprecedented. So it's really hard to gauge things historically if what's going on now is something we've never seen. Still, the media did what they did, and the polls did what they did. And I told you, don't pay attention to the polls. Don't pay attention to the media. They have ulterior motives. The polls were largely funded by Republicans, and what they were trying to do is flood the zone, as they say, to discourage Democrats from voting and to have some standing when they lost to say, oh, see, it's rigged. The polls all said we were going to win, so there must be something wrong with the elections. And I also told you the media was a lot like a fight promoter. They have a lot into making this look like a battle of the titans. It's going to be a big fight. You better get your popcorn and pop, sit down in front of the TV, turn on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox. They want you to watch (laughs) their programs. And that's the fucked up thing about this country. Everything seems like it's a grift. I mean, there's got to be somebody we can trust, somebody we can count on, somebody we can believe in. But we can't believe our media. We can't believe the polls. We can't even believe our government officials because whether they be Republican or Democrat, We don't know if they're telling us what they're telling us because they can put money in their pocket. Their backers can put money in their pocket. It seems like we're always the last choice as far as getting benefits, even though we pay the taxes 
and we are the ones that should receive the benefits. Seems like we're always the last. And when it does finally come down to us, the Republicans say, oh, no, we can't afford that. You mean to tell me you can't help the people who provided the money that you currently have? We can't get some of that back, some kind of services in return for the money we pay. But they will continually tell you that. And my point is this. Prior to the election, I told you don't believe the media. I told you not to believe the polls. But a lot of people were anxious about it. You know, we're conditioned to watch these things and believe it. I mean, hell, it's on TV. It's on the Internet. It must be real. But look where we are now. Make a mental note and don't get fooled again. Because when you look at what happened in the midterm elections, turns out I was right. Now, honestly, I thought the Democrats might win more seats than they did. So I was a little disappointed in that. But what happened on the midterm elections is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing what happened. Because in most midterm elections, the Republicans would come in here, get 30 to 40 seats and maybe four seats in the Senate, and they would take control. This happens on and on and on and on and on again. It always happens. And it didn't happen. Now, as I sit here and tell you, see, I told you so, I don't want you to think that it's because I'm some genius or a psychic or anything. I'm not. The reason I came up with that was very simple. I looked at the facts. I looked at what happened with Republicans in the last two years, overturning Roe v. Wade. I knew that was going to be a big thing, and anybody with common sense would know that. You can't piss off half the country and expect to gain votes. It's just not going to happen. Now, when you listen to the Republicans or the right side media, they would tell you, oh, you know, we've got high inflation, we've got crime, we've got this, and half of it was bullshit. They really believe that women were over the overturning of Roe v. Wade. These men saw this happen two to three months ago, and they thought, well, they're getting over it. No, motherfucker, they're not getting over it. They didn't get over it. There were like um, five different um, amendments being voted on in five different states to uphold abortion rights, and they all passed. It's like all of a sudden these Republicans and this right-side media is going, wow, this abortion thing, this overturning Roe v. Wade, that's a thing. They really took that seriously. Who knew? Well, anybody with common sense knew. Anybody with a a slightest amount of intelligence fucking knew. Again, I'm not a prognosticator, but you do something like that, that's going to have devastating results on your uh, voter turnout and how many votes you're going to get, meaning the Republicans. And it did. So when I said, don't believe the media, don't believe the polls, this overturning Roe v. Wade is going to be a big deal. It wasn't because I'm super smart. Just a little fucking common sense. The real question is, why are those people so stupid? Why couldn't they see this? This is really interesting because, you know, as much as as the Republicans 
are upset about this. And you can see it. You watch Fox News or look on the social media platforms. These people are despondent. They are totally blown out of the water. And remember what I said before the election. These people seem so confident. They seem so sure. And what I loved about that is, I love more than anything seeing people like this get completely blindsided. Blindsided by a bus. And if you look at these people and you listen to these people, that's exactly what happened. But that's the thing that confuses me. This wasn't hard to figure out. Anybody with half a brain could realize it. But a lot of people are caught up in the Donald Trump mystique. He got away with a lot of things, so everybody assumes he's going to get away with everything. Well, that comes to an end today. It does. This election, regardless of who gets the House or who gets the Senate, creates kind of a paradigm change for the Republican Party. They either change or they're done. If they can't score big in a midterms when there's inflation and high gas prices and such, they don't have a fucking chance in 2024. They know this, so they have to make some changes. And we're hearing a lot of these people saying, you know, maybe we should leave Donald Trump back. Leave him in the rearview mirror. It didn't work so well. And that's exactly right. Every governor, with the exception of Kerry Lake, and that might fall into this range too, but every governor he endorsed lost on election night. He lost all kinds of races with people he endorsed. And the big one, of course, was Fetterman beating Dr. Oz. Donald Trump is shitting himself. He's apoplectic. Uh, The talk was that he's yelling and screaming and unhinged. He's even blaming Melania and his family. You told me to go with Dr. Oz and you fucked up. Donald Trump can't accept any responsibility. No matter what goes wrong, it's going to be somebody else's fault. But that's coming to an end now, too. You notice with the Republicans, they may win the House, but they're only going to win a couple, three seats more than the Democrats, and that doesn't really give them a lot of power. In fact, the Republicans in the House are going to have less power than they think. Because of what happened in the midterms, many of these Republicans have to look at it and say, hmm, should I really stick by Donald Trump's side? Should I stick to those policies? It really fucked us up in the midterms. Maybe we need to get some separation. Maybe we need to go a different way. Get away from Donald Trump. And we know they're talking about that. A lot of people are talking about it. And it would be obvious when what happened happened during the midterm elections. As I told you, Donald Trump is no longer an asset. They've always seen him as an asset. He's going to bring money. He's going to bring votes. But come this midterms, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. He didn't bring the votes. It was worse than any other midterms. This may have been one of the biggest midterm wins for Democrats ever. I know you're going to say, well, they didn't win the House and the Senate yet. Well, no, they didn't. But to shut these people down as much as they did is unbelievable. And this is a big win for the Democrats. This gives the Democrats a head of steam. And this puts the Republicans in kind of a dumbfounded state. What do we do now? 
All they know for sure is Donald Trump is not the answer. And as I told you before, once they realize that, they're going to kick him to the curb. They're not going to use him. They're going to have to rehabilitate themselves. Even if they win the House, they still lost. They still lost because, say they want to try to impeach Joe Biden. That kind of goes along with the base, the 30%, the crazy trump Well, we've got people sitting in the House that are Republicans that are saying, I don't want to be part of that. Impeaching Joe Biden for nothing is crazy. I'm not going to do that. So what's going to happen is when it goes to the House, you're going to get all the Democratic votes, of course, but you're going to get some Republicans to side with the Democrats in that instance because it's crazy. And they're doing all they can to separate themselves from Donald Trump. I said this before the election, there's going to be a paradigm shift, and there is. The Republicans are going to have to be a different party or they are going to die. We had all these young people get out and vote, and that is a good thing. And they will keep voting until they rid themselves of this plague that is the Republican Party or the trump anyway. The other thing that it's going to do, it's going to change Donald Trump's life. If he announces for the presidency, which will be a joke, and he may not do it now because he doesn't have the strength he wanted when he was going to announce. I mean, he didn't have a good showing during the midterms, and Ron DeSantis down in Florida did have a big showing. And now people are looking to DeSantis, not Donald Trump. He's no longer the favorite son. He's no longer the hero. So he's going to have trouble getting support. He's going to have trouble getting money. They're going to send it to fucking Ron DeSantis. That's what they're going to do. And he's not nearly going to have as much protection as he once had. Certainly before the election and certainly when he was president. As I told you before, now it's indictment season. There is nothing holding Merrick Garland Fonnie Willis, New York, wherever. There's nothing holding them back right now. They don't have to wait till after the elections. And I'm hoping against hope that Merrick Garland and Fonnie Willis and everybody else gets on their shit and starts letting these indictments fly. And when that happens, Donald Trump won't have the money, he won't have the protection, and he will be buried. And the Republicans will let them do it. They might even help him do it because getting Donald Trump out of the election in 2024 is something they're going to need to do. Right now, if the Republicans were going to pick a candidate uh, to run against a Democrat, whoever that might be, it would be Ron DeSantis. He's got more power. He's got more push. He'll end up having more money. So what does Donald Trump do? Does he step aside graciously and say, well, I won't run? Oh, no. Donald Trump thinks he's the most powerful guy in the world. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the world. He thinks everybody loves him. So what might Donald Trump do if the Republicans don't give him the nomination? Well, he may run independently. He'll probably say, well, he's even said in the past, I'll start my own party and I'll kick your ass. Well, Donnie, you go ahead and do that. If you can still legally run in 2024, I hope you do. Because you will get your ass kicked. And if you run as an independent and Ron DeSantis is the Republican nominee and whoever the Democratic nominee, that's almost guaranteeing 
a Democratic win. Because then Donald Trump, not caring about the party, not caring about the country, but only caring about himself, will split the Republican Party. The 30 or 35 percent are the base will walk away from the Republican Party and vote for Donald Trump. He won't have enough to win. The Republican Party will drop a shitload of voters and the Democrats will breeze through with a win. Everything's changed. If you thought that Donald Trump had everything going his way, he got away with everything, the Republicans did whatever they want, all of that has changed now with that midterm election. It may not gone as, as much of a blue wave as you hoped, but it changed everything, fucking everything. All right, I've got some emails. Let's read those emails. This first one, comes from Julie. She says, Hi, Mike, I love your podcast and listen to them every day. In one of your podcasts, could you give your insights about campaign funds and what they're supposed to be used for? I understand all of the costs around running a campaign, but should there be limitations? I mean, how many commercials do we need to see that are negative in an already damaged Trump society? It seems to me if they want to heal America that uh, that would be a good start. Not to mention that it seems like the focus on the more money you have, the more chances you have winning the campaign. Is this entitlement? I know Social Security is not an entitlement. Any insight you have, I would appreciate. Well, Julie, it's a good question, and I'm certainly not an expert, but I know enough about it to just be dangerous. So here's what I'll tell you. There are campaign finance laws. You can't just spend it on anything. I I don't believe there's any limitations with how many commercials you can buy or ads you can buy. I mean, we're stuck with that as long as um, our country, our government allows our politicians to collect as much money as they want. I'm a firm believer that we should have a set amount, a small amount of cash. Everybody gets the equal amount. And let's let people run on their merits as opposed to who has the most money. The guy with the most money winning is not democracy, and that should be pretty clear to anybody else. But there are campaign finance laws, and the question of them misusing money doesn't mean buying too many ads or too many buttons or whatever. The real problem with campaign funds is exactly what Donald Trump does. He skims it or just steals it fully and uses it for his own personal uses, and that is illegal. In fact, some people are looking at Donald Trump for that very, very crime right now. Um, And that's the problems you're going to see more than anything, people misusing the funds. I think as long as they spend everything on campaigning, they're fine. I think uh, there may be some limitations on what they can get from different people, but then the PACs come in and they can get whatever they want. So it's a fucked up mess. This country is run and elections are run by money. And that's one of our biggest problems. That can't be. That's got to change. I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where either the Democrats or the Republicans will say, hey, this is crazy. Let's fix this. It's not in their best interest to do that. They want to be able to collect the most money and win races based on that. So 
Donald Trump has a specific problem with these campaign finance laws. He's being investigated for misuse of funds for past situations. But right now he's collecting money and he can just put it in his pocket because he's not an official candidate for the president. But the moment he says, I'm running for president, now legally he has to account for every dollar that comes in and he can't just stuff it in his pocket. This may be one of the reasons why Donald Trump is holding back and announcing he's running for president. The other thing might be, of course, that he's pretty weak right now. He's weak in the Republican Party. He's weak in this country. He's not a legitimate candidate anymore. People are tired of his shit. Thank you for that, Julie. This next one comes from Trevor. Now, you may remember Trevor. He is a listener that we spoke to. He's up in the Northwest part of the country. Um, The conversation was a great conversation. He's a very intelligent guy, articulate guy. But I spent a lot of time in that uh, podcast kind of giving him some uh, support or, or, or kind of giving him a pep talk. I could sense he was like a lot of people, including my, my son, who is unsure and maybe lacks some confidence in themselves when they shouldn't have all the confidence in the world. Anyway, that was Trevor. And I think we'll probably talk to him in December. Remember, I told him, I said, this is what you do. You take the bull by the horns and you get some things done for yourself. And let's talk in December or something and see how it went. Well, anyway, he just sent me an email. So let's see what he has to say. He says, hey, Mike, it's me, Trevor, from Portland, Oregon. And I know I haven't been emailing you for a while ever since we had that conversation on Zoom, the podcast we did. I was texting with my dad's colleague tonight, and she was praising the great work that Ron Shithead DeSantis, I'm assuming, is doing for the state of Florida and spreading all of these bullshit lies. I didn't want to share this with my dad because he has a close friendship with her back during their college days. She said that the Democrats are out of touch with everything, and I was like, what the fuck are you smoking? Out of touch with everything? Do you realize all of the hard work that POTUS Biden has done during his term? And I have to congratulate and honor and praise him for everything that he's doing for this country. I know that Biden is an old man, but he's the only man that's changing this country for the better. I'm watching midterm elections over here, and I was pissed that Ron DeSantis won re-election and placing his presidential bid for 2024. But I don't give two fucks about him. Neither do I, Trevor. I don't think Ron DeSantis will be a factor in 2024. Trevor goes on to say, I decided to take control of my own mental health issues in regards to anxiety and depression, and I'm chatting with therapists through my health care provider, and they have helped me a lot with the services and guidance. I didn't want to yell at my dad's colleague, but I know she is saying a bunch of bullshit that doesn't make any sense. I remember that you wanted me back on the show in a six-month period. I really like that podcast episode when you had that plumber, TJ, on the Rational Boomer podcast and how he shared his perspective on Trump, Republicans, midterms, him meeting President Biden for the first time, which I was shocked to hear, especially on the Rational Boomer podcast. I'm so glad that Lauren Boebert is going to lose her seat and that Oz wasn't elected, but Fetterman won tonight. Take care, man, and hopefully there's a blue wave. 
That is Trevor. And Trevor, I'm proud of you, man, for taking the bull by the horns and trying to take care of your situation. I mean, everybody's gone through this. Everybody's had tough times, and everybody's um, was unsure of themselves, lacked confidence, were insecure, those sorts of things. And it's real easy to curl up in a corner and just say, well, I'm fucked. I can't do anything about it and just live with it. But you got one life here, man. And there's a lot of things you can do, and there's a lot of things you can do to adjust your life. But you got to make the effort. You got to stand up, step forward, and do what you got to do. So, Trevor, I'm proud of you for doing just that. It's going to go a long way. Trust me on this. It's going to go a long way. And let's get you back on the podcast, see how you're doing. And if you're not doing as well as I'd like, I'm going to have to kick your ass, Trevor. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm only kind of half kidding on that. Sometimes kids, and I say you're a kid because you're about the age of my son, uh, sometimes you need a little boot in the ass and say, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Go out there and take action. Nothing's going to happen unless you take action. And I'm very glad to hear that you're doing just that, Trevor. So best of luck, and we will talk to you soon. This next one uh, comes from Peggy. She says, what are your thoughts on Yevgeny Prigozhin? Still loving your podcast and wouldn't miss one for anything. Thank you very much, Peggy. We start our day listening to you, Peggy. Well, I did talk about this a while back. Yevgeny Prigozhin, he's a Kremlin-linked oligarch known as Vladimir Putin's chef. Um, He apparently admitted to Russian interference in the U.S. elections in a telegram post on Monday. Now, this should be no surprise to anybody. We know the Russians meddled in the 2016 and the 2020 election. But according to Prigozhin, that isn't where it stopped. Prigozhin said that Russia has interfered, is interfering, and will continue to interfere in the U.S. democratic process in response to a journalist's question about Russia potentially meddling in U.S. uh, congressional elections on Tuesday. He said, I will answer you very subtly and delicately, and I apologize. I will allow a certain ambiguity. Gentlemen, we interfere We interfered, we interfere, and we will interfere. Carefully, precisely, surgically, and in our own way as we know how. During our pinpoint operations, we will remove both kidneys and liver at once. And, you know, for us to think any less than that would be foolish on our part. To think that the the, the Russians are not... Uh, doing everything they can to undermine democracy and our form of government and our way of life, we'd be foolish to think they're not. So it's something that we we have to be aware of, and it's something we have to protect ourselves from. Well, Peggy, basically what I think about it is it's happening We're not doing enough about it as far as I know. Of course, we don't know what the FBI or CIA are doing with this sort of thing. But clearly it's happening, so they're not doing enough. Um, And I don't think there's any question that it is happening. We just need to get um, our intelligence agencies on board 
and get this shit stopped because it's very detrimental to this country. All right, this last email comes from Eric. He says, hi, Mike. As I write this, neither house has been cold as yet. That's still the case, at least at this recording. I realize that might change by the time you read this. While I think the Democrats did better than expected, I think they definitely could have done much better. As the exit polls, I was hearing they kept talking about the Republicans being better for the economy. I started to wonder why the Democrats' message failed. I think that at least a fair amount of blame should fall on Manchin and Cinema, Even though their idea, our ideas aren't actually good for the country, the Republicans at least sound united. They didn't really give a solution, but at least they said they'd work on it. Democrats have appeared to be fighting their own party on a lot of issues. I think President Biden saying he needed to get 52 seats in the Senate, while true, hurt their chances. I can't help but think if they passed the Build Back Better bill and maybe took a shot at codifying Roe v. Wade before the midterms, they might have won big. Manchin and Cinema both hurt their country and party in an attempt to further their own agenda. Thanks again, Eric. First of all, Manchin and Cinema are hurting this country. Absolutely no question. It's all about their own egos. It's all about their own power. It has nothing to do with the betterment of this country. But I happen to think, Eric, that you're not given a much, uh, as much credit where credit is due. What happened on the midterm election, I know there was a lot of people I talked to that were disappointed. I think for some reason, a lot of people thought the Democrats would have this huge tidal wave and they would wipe everybody out. They would win every race. Now, as much as I hope for that, I didn't expect that. You have to understand what did happen, whether it disappoints you or not, is unprecedented. And it is a huge win for the Democrats and a huge loss for the Republicans. Not all races were won that we wanted to win. I had hoped for a bigger margin in the Senate and a bigger margin in the House for the Democrats. Whether that will be, I don't know. But it could have been a lot worse. I mean, a lot of people in history told us that uh, they could have come in here, the Republicans, and gained 25 to 40 seats in the House and as many as four seats in the Senate. That would have shut everything down, complete gridlock for the next two years. And much like with Obama, Joe Biden wouldn't be able to do anything. But that's not what happened. It wasn't a huge blue tidal wave like you hoped or I hoped, but it was far better than anybody imagined. Remember, at the top of the show, I was talking about how the media and the polls was telling us that the Republicans were going to win. The Democrats were going to have to deal with it. And I think many of the Democratic politicians were buying into that, which I didn't get. It seems so logical that the Democrats would do better than everybody thought based on the facts. Overturning Roe v. Wade, the investigations, the evidence, the witnesses the marginalization of LGBTQ folks, the suppressing of votes. Everything that the Republicans ever did was finally brought to the surface and exposed to the public. So now the public got to see who they were. As much as you may be disappointed about what happened, you shouldn't be. 
you should be very happy how this went down. If for some reason the Republicans take control of the House, they're only going to have a couple, three, maybe four seats more than the Democrats. And that's a weak position. That doesn't even guarantee that Kevin McCarthy will actually be the Speaker of the House. In fact, I think he may not make it. You've got a weak split in the House of Representatives, and you've got a guy who did nothing but fuck up. And he also kowtowed and sidled up to Donald Trump. And remember what I told you in the beginning. At this point, based on performance in the midterms and the weakness of Donald Trump that's been exposed, people are going to want to get away from Donald Trump. Are they really going to vote for Kevin McCarthy, who is a Donald Trump suck-up as Speaker of the House, if they want to separate themselves from them? Yeah, Kevin McCarthy may not even be Speaker of the House if the House of Representatives is taken by the Republicans. But even if he is, it's going to be weak. It's going to be weak. Even Joe Biden said, if I'm going to do this, that, or the other thing, I'm going to talk to Mitch McConnell. Now, Mitch McConnell is evil, but he is a smart politician. And Biden and Mitch McConnell have a long history uh, in Congress. They've known each other a long time. And Mitch McConnell is smart enough to know that sticking with Donald Trump is not the way to go. That's a losing proposition. It was in the midterms, and it's going to get worse by 2024. So he's going to try to separate himself out from this whole Trump-lafuck group. So he's going to have to do what he can to recreate or rehabilitate the Republican Party. And that doesn't include any of these crazy fucks with Donald Trump, the insurrectionists, the conspiracy theory folks. So he's going to have to separate himself. Don't look at what's going on. Even if we don't win the majority in the House, I think we will win the majority in the Senate, which will be good. Um, But even if we don't win the majority in the House, The Republicans aren't going to get away with the things they want to get away with. We're going to impeach Joe Biden. No, they're not. No, they're not. The 30 percent or the Trump LaFucks may want to do it, may want to instill that into their investigations and that sort of thing. (coughs) But there's going to be the people in the Republican Party that say, yeah, we don't want to get too close to them. We don't want their stink on us. So there's going to be people on the... uh, conservative side of the Republican Party that, that, that aren't going to wade into that. And that's going to take numbers away from the Republican Party. Do not worry. Things are looking good. To be honest, things couldn't have really gone better given the circumstance. It would have been better if we won every race, but that wasn't expected. What did happen was very advantageous to the Democrats. So don't worry Don't be disappointed. All is well. It's going to be fine. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we will be right back. All right, for those of you still downhearted about the performance by the Democrats in the midterms, here's what you need to understand. There have been 22 midterm elections since 1934, and the president's party whoever that may be, Republican or Democrat, has lost on an average of 28 House seats and four Senate seats. 
So last night, the Democrats pretty much outran 86 years of history. Now, we still don't know the final results. Democrat losses will be nowhere close to historical averages. If anything, Democrats may pick up seats in the Senate and still have an outside chance of holding on to the House of Representatives, as I've stated. It is, without exaggeration, one of the most stunning electoral outcomes in modern American history. And Democrats have no one to thank but the Republicans. Sound familiar? This is exactly what I told you before the midterms. They said there was going to be a red wave, and there is no red wave, and people are freaking out. They are literally despondent. I turn on Fox News, and they're going, how does this happen? They're even angry at the politicians. How did you let this happen? Donald Trump is screaming at his own family and calling out Republican candidates who lost. You didn't trust me enough. You didn't believe in me enough. You didn't talk about the election fraud or the big lie. You didn't love me enough. That's why you lost. You deserved it. That sounds like a weird motherfucking guy. And that's who Donald Trump is. So what happened last night, as much as some of you may think that it was disappointing, it's fucking crazy successful. Now, the amount of the Democratic Success Tuesday is absolutely stunning. John Fetterman narrowly held off Dr. Oz in the Pennsylvania Senate race. Democrat incumbents who late polling suggested were vulnerable to defeat, uh, such as Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, she won. Michael Bennett in Colorado, he, he romped to a victory. In Georgia, Senator Raphael Warnock, a Democrat, had more votes than Republican Herschel Walker with 96% of the votes cast. But he hasn't cleared the 50% threshold for votes cast, which means they are going to have a runoff on December 6. In terms of actual votes, Raphael Warnock beat Herschel Walker. He beat him. It wasn't a huge margin, of course, but he did, in fact, beat him. The runoff should be interesting. You'll remember that Raphael Warnock won the Senate seat to finish out the term of the previous senator, and that was also in a runoff, which he won. So I think the odds are pretty good that Raphael's going to do well. It's going to give another month because the 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 um, runoff election is on December 6th. That's a little less than a month away. That's going to give plenty of time for Herschel Walker to fuck up more and more time to hear about Raphael Warnock. The other thing to consider, too, when people who are going to vote for the runoff Senate seat, they're going to see what happened in the midterms. People like being on winning teams, you know that? And so that's going to help in terms of the runoff vote. Not to mention the fact that uh, Herschel Walker is an absolute embarrassment. Um, now, now here's the interesting thing. Uh, Democrats' success didn't just come in blue states. In North Carolina, Democratic candidate Wiley Nickel won a close U.S. House race against pro-MAGA Republican Frank, I think it's Marvin. Uh, no, Frank Marvin actually kept his U.S. House seat in Indiana's first congressional district. 
Now, in Ohio, of course, Democrat Tim Ryan lost his bid for the Senate, but Democrats still flipped a House seat from red to blue. And in what may have been Tuesday's biggest shocker, with 90% of the votes tallied, Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado was trailing the Democratic challenger, Adam Frisch, in a district that former President Donald Trump won by six points in 2020. The district was redrawn in a way that means Trump would have won by almost nine points. So this district was stronger Republican, yet Frisch was beating Lauren Boebert. I don't think we have a final tally on that one. We can only hope that Lauren Boebert loses. But to be honest with you, I don't really care if she loses. Because in the House, we know that Marjorie Taylor won, and people are upset by that. Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor uh, Green are, are just loudmouths. They don't get anything done. They aren't effective. Marjorie Taylor Green doesn't have any committees. So maybe we're better off with somebody who's absolutely useless in those seats as opposed to somebody that might be actually good at the job. So I'm not opposed to having them back in their seats. That said, they may not be there very long because both of those two, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, were clearly involved in the uh, insurrection. And now that we're past the midterms, the J6 committee and the DOJ is going to start looking into those sitting members of Congress that were involved in the insurrection. It's clearly possible that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert end up getting expelled from their positions in Congress. And that's really the next step for the Democrats, tear down the Republicans at every turn. They've broken many laws, and they need to be accountable for it. And once they are, that is going to decimate the Republican Party. Again, let's go back to uh, the Senate race in Georgia, because that might be the deciding factor on who has control of the Senate. Right now, there's just three states that we're waiting for to figure out who is going to be the majority holder in the Senate. There's Nevada, there's Arizona, and there's Georgia. Now, we should start to be hearing things, I would think, fairly soon in Nevada and, uh, and uh, Arizona. And things are pretty tight over there. It looks like we may get the Democrats to win um, Arizona with Mark Kelly. Nevada may be a little more sketchy. But here's how this goes. If the Republicans win one of those two states, okay, then it's going to come down to Georgia. If the Democrats win both those states, then they take the majority, regardless of what happens in Georgia. So really, the Democrats have two options for winning uh, the majority in the Senate. And I think things look pretty good. I think I think uh, they're going to do all right. I honestly don't believe that uh, um, Herschel Walker can win in Georgia. That said, I am truly amazed by how close he was. That's almost embarrassing. Uh, you remember, I, I bought some property. I bought a little condo in Georgia. I love the state of Georgia. I'm upset that Stacey Abrams didn't beat uh, or didn't win the governorship. That's twice now. 
It's it's weird about her. She's probably one of the best politicians in this country, and she loses two straight races. We've got to find some way to utilize the intellect and the charisma of Stacey Abrams in this country. The Democratic Party must do something to utilize her. But if Herschel Walker were to become a senator, he would be a joke on the level of Lauren Boebert or Paul Gosar or Marjorie Taylor Greene. He would be kind of a waste of space. He's just not smart enough to do this. Uh, I just I just don't believe that Herschel Walker can win this, especially now that they're going to the runoff. You know, people had a lot of things to think about in the midterms when they're voting. But when they can just focus, laser focus on Herschel Walker and uh, Raphael Warnock, they got to go with Raphael Warnock. In fact, that that election may go stronger for Warnock. I just don't see how it would go for Herschel Walker. But we're talking um, December 6th before that runoff happens. So it could very well be a month before we know who has the majority in the Senate. And then a month after that, the new Senate would take their seats, and then we would be dealing with whatever we're dealing with at that point. All right, let's talk about the head dipshit in charge of the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. We're talking about House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California. He announced his bid for Speaker of the House on Wednesday, even before it was clear that the Republicans would control the chamber. Again, these Republicans are so presumptuous. Oh, we're going to win, so I'll just I'll just decide what I'm going to do now. They did that with the midterms. When we get power, what are we going to do? Well, it didn't turn out like they expected, did it? And now Kevin McCarthy's deciding what he's going to do when he's Speaker of the House. And Kevin's got some problems. We still don't know if the Republicans are going to have the majority in the House. But we also don't know if they're even going to want Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. He's not in too good a situation with the Republican Party at this point. There's going to be many people in the Republican Party that want to separate themselves from a sycophant to Donald Trump like Kevin McCarthy. And some of his own people may not vote for him. So Kevin McCarthy is being a little presumptuous here, and uh, I, don't, I don't think too highly of his prospects. Now, um, Andy Biggs, who is one of the insurrectionists who could very well be expelled from Congress at some time in the not-too-distant future, he said, we were told we were going to have an incredible, incredible wave, Representative Andy Biggs said on a right-wing internet program. I don't understand why McCarthy's speakership is just a foregone conclusion. See what I mean? They're already talking about it in the in the House of Representatives. The Republicans are saying, why would we want McCarthy in there? The next thing, of course, is what I said before. Whoever is the House of uh, Speaker of the House in the House of Representatives, assuming it's a Republican, if they have a small majority, the power they have is going to be very limited. Now, Biggs is a senior member of the House Freedom Caucus. 
a group of several dozen House Republicans that has already demanded rules changes that would empower rank-and-file members and make McCarthy's life more difficult as a speaker. Um, Now, of course, Biggs, when they say the House Freedom Caucus, these are the fucking crazies like Jim Jordan, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar, those kinds of folks. So, you know, that's a faction of the Republican Party that's been weakened by the way the midterms went. That's why they're pissed. Democrats, of course, beat expectations in the midterm elections, holding off Republican challengers, even in some districts where Donald Trump prevailed in 2020. They went the opposite direction. And they still don't know if they're going to have the majority in the House. So Republicans aren't too happy with McCarthy at this point. McCarthy portrayed the middling result as a historic victory in a letter asking his colleagues for their support. Over the past century, Republicans had flipped the House from Democrats just four times. 1946, 1952, 1994, and 2010. Only twice did that flip occur in four years or less, McCarthy wrote. While a number of races remain outstanding, I can confidently report that we will join that list, build on our significant gains from last cycle, and achieve our goal of taking back the House. Very presumptuous. That wasn't a win for you, Kevin. And uh, Kevin being the Speaker of the House, should the Republicans get the majority, is not a foregone conclusion. The wackos in that group. See, Kevin McCarthy has a problem here. He is essentially part of that wacko group, but the wacko group is not happy with him right now, so they probably won't support him. The other side, the people with reasonable minds, look at him as part of the wacko group, so they aren't going to support him. I don't think things look very good for Kevin McCarthy at this point. I really don't. Of course, the big news from the midterms was Pennsylvania. Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman beat Dr. Oz after overcoming a stroke and attacks on his criminal justice record. He flipped the seat that had been Republican for 12 years. Pat Toomey was in that position. So they thought they'd bring in Dr. Oz, they'd maintain the Republican stronghold, and all would be well. Well, it didn't go well that way. Dr. Oz was a horrible candidate. He wasn't even living in Pennsylvania. He moved into his mother-in-law's house so he could run for the Senate. He's a fucking New Jersey guy. He wasn't a very appetizing candidate, and Republicans just didn't like that motherfucker. Now, Fetterman succeeded in painting Dr. Oz, who lived in northern northern New Jersey until he ran for the Senate as a rich, out-of-touch celebrity without any real ties to or concern for the state he hoped to represent in D.C., The campaign, my campaign, was all about trying to serve Pennsylvania, Federman told supporters at a pre-election rally in Pittsburgh on Monday night, and he's just using Pennsylvania. And that's absolutely right. Once major news outlets had officially declared Fetterman the winner after 1 a.m. Wednesday morning, he emerged to the sounds of ACDC's Back in Black. He'd get my vote just for that. Your walk-up music is back in black. Fucking A right. Um, 
He emphasized the positive themes of his campaign rather than the contrast with Oz. He had run, he said, on protecting a woman's right to choose an abortion and raising the minimum wage, defending the union way of life, making health care a fundamental human right, reviving American manufacturing, protecting democracy, and standing up for corporate greed. These are all the things Democrats should be fighting for. And he epitomized that. He was an every guy. He, you know, he came to his uh, rallies in shorts and a, uh, the arms cut off a, a hoodie sweatshirt. Um, it was a weird look, but this is Pennsylvania, and uh, I guess Pennsylvania likes somebody who was like them, an everyday guy, and it paid off. And I'll be honest with you, when Fetterman won, I, you know, I think the Republicans thought they had him beat because of the whole stroke thing and because he didn't come off real well in the debate. But clearly, none of that mattered. None of that mattered. What mattered is was how repulsive Dr. Oz was, how incompetent, what a carpetbagger he was. And again, this is where the Republicans fucked up. They didn't think overturning Roe v. Wade was a big deal anymore. And as I told you beforehand and what we found out since, it was the biggest deal. And they should have known that. Now, people are saying that uh, the biggest loser of the midterm elections was Donald Trump. And nothing could be truer. Former President Trump is actually fuming over Republican Party's failure to produce a red wave, but he's not ruling out an announcement about a 2024 presidential campaign. Let's be honest, the way the midterms went and how well Ron DeSantis did down in Florida, that pissed all over his parade. He's in a weird situation. He doesn't have the power he thought he would have after the midterms, and so he can make this announcement, but it's probably going to cost him more than benefit him. Apparently, Trump is livid and screaming at everyone after last night's disappointing, or uh, Tuesday night's disappointing midterm results for the GOP, according to a Trump advisor. The advisor went on to slam the former president's hand-picked contenders. They were all bad candidates. Candidates matter, the advisor said. Trump had reportedly considered announcing a presidential run on Monday ahead of the midterms, but sources say the election results muddled the timeline for entering the 2024 race. Actually, if he would have announced that he was running for president, that would have made the midterms even better. The 2020 election, the presidential election, was all about Donald Trump. The election was about Donald Trump, and he failed. He lost by 7 million votes. People weren't feeling Donald Trump. They were fearful of Donald Trump. So the Republicans, especially somebody like Mitch McConnell, who knew better, didn't want Donald Trump to make this about him. So what does Donald Trump do? He goes to all the swing states and gives rallies. He talks shit about the candidates just to promote himself. That didn't help anybody in the Republican Party. In fact, if they want to blame one person for doing as poorly as they did in the midterms, that would have to be Donald Trump. And that's why Donald Trump is soon to be a non-factor in the Republican Party. 
now this is a good story. Um, the uh, billionaire, billionaire owner of Fox News used his uh, newspaper, Murdoch. That's who we're talking about. Um, and the paper was the New York Post. And what they did is they roasted uh, former President Donald Trump just one day after the 2022 midterm elections. The cover of Rupert Murdoch's New York Post is printing a Thursday cover with an egg-shaped Trump (laughs) on a brick wall with the headline, Trumpty Dumpty. The subheadline said, Don, who couldn't build a wall, had a great fall. Can all the GOP's men put the party back together again? His own people are fucking slamming him, and he will be livid about that. So it's coming out today. I can't wait to hear what Donald Trump has to say about this. And this is going to be a realization for Donald Trump. All the power he thought he had with his supporters, with the media, it's now starting to slip away. And he is going to be on an island by himself. The online headline for the story by John Horitz was, Here's how Donald Trump sabotaged the Republican midterms and suggested the nickname Toxic Trump. We know how Trump loves nicknames, so I'm all for that, Toxic Trump. I actually like Trumpty Dumpty better. I really like that one. I may use that one again. What Tuesday night's results suggest is that Trump is perhaps the most profound vote repellent in modern American history. Uh, Podhoritz wrote, the British political figure Oliver Cromwell once said about other British politicians who had overstayed their welcome and were ruining the country, in the name of God, go, yo, toxic Trump, scram. Murdoch's Wall Street Journal also wrote an editorial on Trump's role in the midterms. Trump is the Republican Party's biggest loser, the headline read. He has now flopped In 2018, 2020, 2021, and 2022. And they're absolutely right. He flopped in each one of those elections. When are you going to finally say, you know, maybe he's not much help to us. Maybe we should step away from him. I think they're already doing that. Now, this story I love. We know that Lauren Boebert is losing to her... uh, her opponent, Adam Frisch, I love this story. Great joke. Democratic Party strategist Kurt Bardella suggested Representative Lauren Boebert might have to resort to online pornography if she fails to win re-election. Bardella made the crude joke on MSNBC's The Readout as he discussed Boebert's too-close-to-call race against Democrat Adam Frisch, with host Joy Reid and former Senator Claire McCaskill. Reid asked Bardella, what's the meaning if Lauren Boebert, the second most popular QAnon congressperson in MAGA, what if she loses? Reid noted that Boebert's restaurant in Rifle, Colorado, closed this year and asked where the congresswoman might work should she lose her race. Bardella said, I guess, I guess 
it might be a game for OnlyFans. <laughs> Maybe she'll go to OnlyFans. And you know what? That's a joke, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, she's got a history as an escort. If she can't make money any other way, she might choose that option. Now, Reed laughed while the comment appeared to be genuinely stunned. McCaskill was stunned by the comment. Of course, we know OnlyFans is a subscription service where users post contacts for others is often sexual in nature. The service is often suggested as a revenue source to insult struggling young women. Neither Reed nor McCaskill, both feminists, commented on the sexist undertone of Bardella's comment. As of 8 p.m. last night, Bobert trailed uh, Frisch just by less than 100 votes. I think it may have expanded since then. So she could win, and she might lose, but uh, she's not long for the world of Congress because we know she was involved in the insurrection. Now, we've heard a lot in the last couple of years from Mary Trump, who is the niece of former President Donald Trump. She gave a dire warning as the results of the midterm elections continued to roll in. Trump was a guest, Mary Trump was a guest on uh, Sirius XM's The Dean Obadala Show, where she talked about the midterm results and the possibility of the former president announcing another bid for the White House in less than a week. Now, during the conversation, Trump, she said her wish is that the Department of Justice would move swiftly on their decision whether or not to uh, indict the 45th president. Uh, She was asked, are you hopeful? Not tomorrow, but in the near term. We're going to see Donald Trump indicted for just one of his crimes. Just pick any, Obadala said. I don't know if I'm hopeful, but all I can say is he has to be. I don't know whether he will be or not, but he has to be, because if he isn't, then much worse things are going to start to happen. And she's absolutely right. I mean, this is the nature of a... um, of a narcissist. They gaslight and they bully, and as long as they're winning, they keep rolling over the top of people. But then things start to get out of control, and they get in this little spiral, but they're still fighting to get control again. But eventually, they get pushed into a corner. Their strategies no longer work. And then it gets kind of ugly. It gets very ugly, in fact. And that's what's going to happen with Donald Trump. And I've said this for a while. We need to take Donald Trump out of the narrative. We've got to take him out of the equation. We've got to shut him up. He's the one that's stirring things up in this country, causing the possibilities of violence. And as crazy as he's been up to this point, when he finds he has no way out, he's losing support from the Republicans, he's running out of money, indictments are hanging over his head, he is going to get crazy. I mean, crazier than anything we've seen to date. So it's really important, and I agree with Mary, Mary Trump here, they got to indict this fucker quick. Merrick Garland, Fonnie Willis, New York, Uh, Alvin Bragg in New York, they got to indict this fucker. They got to shut him down. If we could have shut him down a year ago, we wouldn't have the problems we have currently. So I'm hoping that Merrick Garland understands this. 
and he's finally ready to do something. Because if he doesn't, it's going to get absolutely nuts. Now, he'll lose even more power because then people will definitely separate from him. But uh, the kind of damage he could create could be horrible. As I've told you, I don't think we're going to see violence out of any groups. But he may cause some crazy people to do fucked up shit. One or two or three people may be doing some crazy shit. That could definitely happen. And when he gets cornered and he's got no way out and he's screaming and ranting and raving and making claims, he's going to inspire and incite a certain amount of people. And that could cause some devastating results. I mean, we had a guy break into Nancy Pelosi's house. It's one thing to commit a crime against a citizen, but what if one of these fucks does try to hurt or kill a sitting politicians? That's going to have a huge impact on this country. So Merrick Garland, now that the midterms are behind us, we start a new week in a few days. Maybe now is the time to get fucking rocking on this stuff and start mixing it up. Once we can get Donald Trump tied up into some kind of litigation or indictment, that's going to put him in a much weaker position, and hopefully we can shut him up at that point because we really need to shut him up. If we don't, we could be looking at some trouble. Not nearly the trouble we would have seen when he was president because he has no more power, but he does have enough power to incite a certain amount of fucked up, crazy, dipshit motherfuckers. So we've got to stop that. We've got, as as uh, Barney Fife once said, we've got to nip it in the bud. <laughs> now that's an old one. That goes back 60s. For you younger folks, you'll have to Google that shit because you won't know what I'm talking about. Google Barney Fife. Anyhow. We're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to sit down and listen to the Rational Boomer podcast. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.